Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. As we sit here right now, a lot of uncertainty of whether or not there is going to be an NBA season. Talked to John Johnson a little bit earlier regarding this. But I wanted to get Keith Pompey on just to kind of pick his brain about what we've seen so far from the Eagle, from the Sixers in the early going here and, and into, you know, the, the about 17 games left to where we stand right now to whether or not we're going to have basketball and what, uh, what it could look like if we do get it back in the, say, next couple months. But joining us right now is Keith Pompey from the Philadelphia Inquirer and Inquirer.com. Keith, how you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing well. What's up, man? How you doing? When was the last time, Keith, you were home for uh you know two three weeks this time of year this time wow man i want to say about what 11 years ago because before that i was covering temple okay uh, before i was covering the sixers and at that point you know they were pretty good so they were always going at least to you know um like the second game of the you know the mm-hmm. NCAA tournament, so yeah, I mean it's been it's been a while. <laughs> yeah, it has for sure, and hopefully it won't be that much longer. Let's let's all hope. So Keith, let me ask you. You know we've seen, and I'll, I'll get to kind of where we are now, but let's look back for a minute here. You talk about a team that was thirty nine and twenty six when everything stopped. We all know you know dominant at home twenty nine and two, but ten and twenty four on the road, and you know just just really choppy kind of season where there were some injuries mixed in but there were certainly some guys who didn't play up to what we or what they had hoped uh it was going to look like this past off season if you had to describe it in either a word or a sentence how would you sum up what we've seen so far from the sixers underachievement mm-hmm. i mean that would be the, the the first word that comes to mind um you know just because um you know i, I think a lot of it had to do with with the injuries, I think a, a lot of it had to do with the miscalculations that Embiid, Ben Simmons, and um, Al Horford could play well together. Um, and, and, and then, you know, I, I think just the failure to live up to the loftier expectations. You know, I, I think that, you know, it was one of those things where they sound good on paper and everyone, like, believes that. You know what I mean? Instead of coming out and thinking that, uh, okay, we're going to work hard. We're we're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to prove people. Now, they came out believing, like, everything that everyone wrote about them and said about them. And and, and I felt like, you know, they just 
I, I don't know. They just they, they they just underachieved. You know, I think that it was one of those things. They thought it was going to be a whole lot easier than what it was. I was watching the replay. They had a replay from the uh, a game in, in the 2017-18 season on NBC Sports Philadelphia. It was when they beat the Cavaliers. You remember that game? They got up real big. Cavs came back. LeBron missed a free throw at the end, but the Sixers held on. But I, I'm looking at that team, Keith, and I, and I see Redick, and I see Ilya Soba, I see Bellinelli, uh, Dario Saric is still on that team. You know, it was mm-hmm. it was it was a vastly different looking team, even though it wasn't all that long ago. And I know not every piece could have come back, but it, I just started thinking to myself. I wonder if they would have tried to keep this thing together in, in Covington, of course, on the team as well, what it would have looked like now. Do you think they made a mistake being a little too aggressive in in turning the roster over? And what do you think that team would have looked like if they had kept that together? Yeah, I think like if you would have brought in Jimmy Butler, let's say like you go out and you, you know, you traded Dario and, and, and Cub. Um, and you brought in Jimmy Butler, but if you kept Ursan and, and and you kept Bellinelli, you know, but you were still able to make that, you know, get Mike Scott or somebody like that. Um, yeah, I think it, I think that team would have looked great. You know, it, it got to a point where, I mean, when you think about it, you know, they got Ursan and they got Marco, Ursan Ilvesova, Marco Bellinelli. At that time, it was like, okay, these guys are great shooters. But then they start thinking about the things that they couldn't do on a defensive end. And when they didn't bring them back, it was like, okay, they were great. But at the same time, we can do better. Like, I understand it. We can do better. And when you look at it, they haven't had any better shooters coming off the bench since those two. And, you know, when they got there, you know, I remember, I believe the Sixers were, what, two games before 500, uh, two games above 500 when they got those two guys. And they went on that run and they made it look so easy. And I get it. I know they struggled in the playoffs to get stops against the Boston Celtics in the second round of that series. But since then, they have yet to have anyone coming off the bench that can, that can fit into the system the way that they need people to right now. And I think, you know, sometimes you always think you can do better, but sometimes you can't. And, and this is a prime example. It, it feels like to me, Keith, the, the biggest they, mistake they made was not recognizing that not only Reddick, but they just, if you're going to have Simmons and Embiid, in particular Simmons, you got to load him up with shooters. And, you know, I, okay, I get it if you drew a line, you didn't want to give Reddick multiple years, you, you know, whatever. But what did you do ultimately to replace him? And, and not only him, you need two or three others. What are your thoughts on them just sort of not grasping that? Yeah, that was kind of bad. I mean, in a way, so here's the thing with Ben Simmons. You know, I, I think, you know, I think people bought in a little bit too much on the offseason that, you know, he was going to be a better shooter uh, or, you know, uh, or he was going to shoot the ball more just because looking at these videos that we saw. And I think a lot of people start drinking a Kool-Aid. But when you have a Ben Simmons type of, of point guard, you need the other point guard or, excuse me, the other person in the backcourt has to be someone who is a combo guard, like someone who can shoot the ball, someone who can also bring the ball up. You know what I mean? Yeah, what they what they hoped Fultz would be. What they exactly and exactly that's what they need. Now, right now, 
they'll come out and everyone will tell you, oh, yeah, we got we, we knew we had that in Shake Milton. Yeah, we got it in Shake Milton. Yeah, we're excited about Shake. And which is, is, you know, moving forward, if they do come back, you know, it seems like, you know, Shake will be the logical fifth starter and you could bring Al Horford off the bench, assuming if Ben Simmons comes back. But if they knew they had Shake Milton, if they knew that, Shake Milton would have spent the wouldn't have spent the the early portion of the season in the G League, and then when he wasn't in the G League, he wouldn't have racked up all these DMPs. So having Shake kind of saved him, but that's the type of guy that you need in this system to play against a Ben Simmons, and that's the type of guy they should have gone after in the off season. You know what I mean to make it work because. Right now, the fact that Ben is still hesitant to shoot, you know, I mean, it, you just you can't have a traditional starting lineup around him. You need a guy that's going to, you know, you, you're going to say that Ben's the point guard, but really Ben's the point forward when it really matters. You know what I mean? And and I think that Shake in that instance would be the guy who's going to be, you know, the guy that's bringing the ball up, but he's going to make his first entry pass. Ben Simmons, and then Ben is going to run things from the high post. But you need that type of player, like you said, which should have been Markel Fultz. And I guess that brings up the question of of talent evaluation. Like, like you know, once Shake got his chance, you know, you can see what he can do here, as opposed to what went on for God three quarters of of the season of at least what we saw. Like, how does it take that long, Keith, for nobody to understand that? He's a better alternative than what we've seen thus far. I mean, it's the same question about Furkan Korkmaz. Yeah. This time last year, Furkan Korkmaz wanted to be traded. He wanted to be out of here. You know, it, you know, he was a guy that they didn't even pick up his option. And the only reason why he's back is because the Sixers were the only team that offered him guaranteed money, right, um, for this year. And, and you know, they didn't have any other options. So, yeah, when you look at it, you can say, you know, they, there have been certain guys that at least people on the coaching staff had didn't feel like they were quite to the level of players that they turned out to be. And that's two of them, Shake Milton and Furkan. I mean, I remember uh, one when we were in um, we were in Minnesota a couple weeks ago. Um, was it? No, no, excuse me. It was in Sacramento. Mm-hmm. We were in Sacramento. I don't know how I said Minnesota. I knew that was wrong. But we were in Sacramento, and everyone was, like, going goo-goo-ga-ga over shake. Right. Right? Um, and I remember asking Brett Brown, I said, well, you know, my thing is, you know, you guys keep saying what you have in shake. What was it about him that you he had to like He was in the G League for most of this season, and, and then he didn't play, you know, when he wasn't in there. Mm-hmm. And it was like, well, you know, you know, he's a great guy. You know, you know, he works hard. We knew this. We knew that. I said, no. What I'm saying is, what didn't you see in him? You know, it had to be something that you didn't see at that particular time. And you know, he brought up him being a late second round pick. And you know, when guys like that, there is some doubt. So yeah, I mean, you know, it's like it's one of these things. I feel like they were fortunate that, um, you know, a couple people were injured. Um, a couple guys didn't pan out. 
and then you had to throw Shake in there. And Shake took the ball and he played well. Because if if Josh Richardson wasn't injured and if um and if uh, uh Raul Neto Raul Neto didn't struggle in certain instances, you know, I think that Shake Milton would be on the bench waving the towel. You know, so while they'll say that they're happy to have him, you know, they're kind of fortunate that, you know, things uh, went went awry, so to speak. That, right. So this guy was able to come out there and play for him. We're speaking with Keith Pompey of the Philadelphia Inquirer, talking some Sixers with him. So I, I guess, Keith, my question as far as the offseason roster construction and decisions, you know, whether it's Horford or it's, you know, the, the monster deal that, that Tobias Harris gets, uh, you know, Reddick walks, whatever, a- and anything, we clearly see that there's issues here with roster makeup. Should that fall more on Elton as the GM or Brett, who has a big say in what personnel is brought in here? Because clearly there were some major mistakes here that were made. You know, I, I think it, it depended on how much say that Brett had. You know, depending because typically, you know, the coach will say that they had a lot and they really don't. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, you know, but now we all know is is documented that, you know, Brett and Jimmy really didn't get along, especially Jimmy came out and confirmed things. You know what I mean? So uh, when you look at that, you had to know it was either going to be Jimmy or Tobias. It had to be. One of them was going to get paid. And apparently, you know, it, it just seems like Brett was more comfortable with, with Tobias. But the other things are, I think that, you know, they had in their mind that Al Horford was going to be a good fit. I mean, they looked at him as someone as, who was going to be a, a, a quality backup insurance policy and someone who they felt like could play next to MB. So, you know, with, with that standpoint, you know, that right in that instance, you know, that's a general manager thing. You know, that's a front office thing. But in regards to the Tobias and all that, you know, it, it like I feel like the Sixers were basically the moment that they gave up Landry Shamit and they gave up that first round pick, right, for Tobias. You know, when they gave up all that stuff, you had to know that if Tobias stayed he was going to get close to a max salary, right? Yep. And 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 if not, I mean, so it was the moment that they made that trade. Tobias Harris won. I mean, he became the man in demand, and it was a matter of are you going to keep Tobias and Jimmy, or are you just going to keep one of the two? And they decided to keep one of the two, and they decided to go after Al. And when you look at it, it just I think. You know, when you when you think of Al Horford as a guy who used to destroy the Sixers, and you look at the relationship that he had with Elton Brand, it's one of those things where I felt like they went with their heart a little bit more um, than than they should have, you know, going with their mind, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was a, a, a bad decision um, because I think Al Horford is a you know a good player. Now he's getting older. And he's playing well when when Simmons isn't in there, like when they don't have it as crowded. Even a little bit, you know, him and Embiid, the last game, they played well together. Now, they did stagger him. The problem is when you say that, okay, we got him to be our backup center and to be our insurance policy, 
he's making $28 million this year to be the backup center. You know, that's a bad look. When you look at teams like, like look, let's look at the Lakers, for instance. You know, all their, their money isn't tied up in the backup center. Yes, they have JaVale McGee, but he's not making a lot of money. And then the backup center is Dwight Howard. He's not making a lot of money. You look at the Houston Houston Rockets. Right now they have Robert Covington playing center. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So when you factor in that you have a team right now where, you know, half of their salary cap is going to two players who play in the same position, play the same position, like, um, like you, you look at it. So Tobias Harris is the highest paid on the team. This season. We're talking about just this season. Right. Number two is Al Horford. And number three is Joel Embiid. So we're saying the backup center is number two on the team in salary. And the starting center is number three. That, that's a front office problem right, right there. Right. I mean, you can't do that. Well, let me ask you, are either, in your opinion, if, if we ever get going again and then there's an off season leading in next year, are, are either Harris or Horford movable in your estimation with those contracts? No, I don't think so. Oof. I don't. I mean, you know, I mean, I don't, I mean, uh, wow, I, I don't, I don't think so. No. I mean, the, the problem with, with Horford is maybe you could try, but if you're thinking like Al Horford, you know, he's a guy that you know, he's, he's going to be a year older. That's still a lot of money for a guy of his age. And when you look at it on the defensive end, you know, I, I think Al Horford's been playing injured. You know, I know he's nicked up and banged up, and every time I ask him about it, he always downplays it. But defensively, he's lost a step. Now, I believe that has something to do with his injury, but people are looking at it like, yo, he just lost a step on the defensive end. That's just a lot of money. And and then the same thing with Tobias is a lot of money. You know, yeah. now, you know, Tobias is younger, you may be able to do that, but we're talking, you know, you know, his father and, and Tobias, they did a great deal. I mean, he's getting hundred and eighty million and he, he has yet to make an all-star team. I mean, that's a lot of money. Yeah, it is, no doubt. All right, Keith, let me ask you, uh, if what's your sense, and I've asked John Johnson this, I, I we talked to John Clark a little bit earlier, I've talked to our callers about this, Are, where do you fall on the scale of uh, of them playing again? You feel optimistic, you feel pessimistic about it? You know, it's weird. Initially, I was extremely optimistic. Now some of the pessimism is, is starting to creep in. You know, the more you hear stuff, you know, before it was, you know, it was one of those things where, okay, we're going to take a couple weeks off or, you know, at least a month, and then we're going to come back and we were going to, like, try to finish the regular season. You know, now you're hearing, yeah, the latest is, you know, one of the options uh, is, like, have maybe something that, like, a neutral site like Las Vegas, you know, and, and have, like, a little tournament and then go into the playoffs. And then you're hearing, you know, guys like LeBron saying, you know, well, you know, we really don't want to play in arenas without any fans. And, you know, this break is going to be hard for older players. You know, to me, it's like when you start hearing stuff like that and LeBron has a huge influence, the league may say, maybe we're right. Maybe he's right. Mm -hmm. Like if this thing continues to go on, do we really want to bring these guys back? From a monetary standpoint, yes, but it's just so much involved. And um, so 
So some doubt is starting to creep in. I mean, I hope that they will come back because I think we need some normalcy. But at the same time, in order for that to happen, you know, we have to make sure that, you know, we're completely over the coronavirus. You know what I mean? No because question. the worst thing that can happen is that they start up playing and then we find out that, you know, another player, a, a reporter, a fan, whomever, you know, has con- had contacted, contracted the, uh, the, the disease, you know, while at a game. So, you know, it, it's just a lot, a lot of uncertainties to me. Keith, we appreciate it, man. It's always fun. I'm hoping, you know, next time we talk, it's about, you know, what's coming up here for the, the rest of the season or the postseason, or we're talking about actual games itself. But we appreciate it, Keith. Thanks for a couple minutes, man. Hey, man, thanks for having me on, brother. All right, stay safe. Appreciate it. That's Keith Pompey from the Philadelphia Inquirer talking a little Sixers. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.